The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Here's Jess. And Noel and Scott. We <laughs> got a great guys. guest. It's yeah. exciting today. Welcome, guys. Happy Wednesday. We are going to be doing a series here. We are starting the series the first week of December, and we are going to run it. So we're going to skip two months in between. So then that's January, February. The next uh, episode will air like first week-ish of March. And then we're going to skip two months, run another one, skip two months, run another one. And after a year, we're going to see this cute little Malinois puppy that Noelle's raising become like a full-grown Mal. Look at uh, her. How cute she is, little Inga. Not to put too much uh, pressure on uh, Noelle, but we're going to call it from the puppy to podium. <laughs> <laughs> Only Scott, right? Only Scott. Oh, my gosh. No, we're calling it um, Raising a High Drive Puppy, and this is part one of the series. So, well, Noelle, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us, and we're going to do three more parts with her. But first, we have to do the quirky tip of the day. Hang on. Let me get my pig. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like we have so many points of business to cover. What is the uh, tip of the day today? I did a pink pig because it's pink. We're representing the female Malinois population. The quirky tip is make sure your dog is on a secure setup when they're leaving the house, okay? So I don't care if it's a martingale collar. With our pet dogs, we use like a plastic pinch collar with a slip collar. Whatever it is, we just dropped a dog off at the groomer. And you guys, the owner was picking the dog up, slipped its collar, running loose all around the parking lot. I'm trying to like get the dog by using my dog as a decoy. So if you're going to leave your house, whatever equipment you're wearing, make sure it's a secure setup, damn it. Can I add one thing to that? Yeah. If you're using a harness with your dog, it'd be nice if you had a backup slip on the dog's neck so that it's attached two ways, not just the harness. Because a lot of dogs back out of harnesses all the time. All right, that's our quirky tip of the day. Noelle, I'm sorry. It's been two and a half minutes. Thank you so much for joining us. Noelle is one of our closest friends, and she just got this puppy. And we want to talk about the journey, because raising a Malinois puppy isn't like raising any other puppy. you got to have a mental problem to start with. (laughs) (laughs) How is it going with Inga? It's going great. She's been really wonderful. I I like her a lot. So she's, she's 12 weeks old right now, right? Right now. Yeah. Actually, you know what? This Friday, I think she'll be 13 weeks old. Okay. And then when did you pick her up? Eight weeks, nine weeks? Eight weeks. Almost. I think exactly eight weeks. I think it was the 24th of October. Okay. And for those of you that don't know, um, we had Noelle on a few months ago. We did a daycare podcast with her. She owns a daycare called The Barking Lot in West New York. And I'm going to link that um, uh, that podcast in the show notes also. So you guys can go back and look at that if you hadn't seen that, but we're just going to be talking specifically about raising Malinois in this entire series. And I want you to give the listeners and viewers a little background because you had a Malinois before and then your own Malinois litter even, and then you raised your own puppy out of that, correct? You're right. Yes, that's correct. And we, we met you right around the same time you got Uda. Is that how that worked? I can't remember. Yeah. Did you know Diesel by chance, the red dog? Did, yes. Did we meet him? Yeah. I think I had, I had met him. I don't think we met him, Scott. No, no. We, just, we just talked about him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it was like right at the time that I lost him and that's when Uda came. Yeah. 
became my dog. It was just kind of like the wildest thing, how it happened. I was not looking for a Malinois. Um, it was a really nice gift from somebody. She had some training on her already. Um, and then she sort of allowed me to, when I lost that pit bull, that diesel, um, just kind of pick up where I left off with him and keep going forward. And then it was kind of like, oh, I love this breed. Yeah, it was, it was like kismet almost. And you, cause yeah. you went from pit bulls and you're still a big bully person, but can you kind of like explain just some of these differences that you just see pretty regularly between these two breeds? Cause they're very different breeds. I, I suppose at first glance, they are different. Um, just appearance and I, 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 I kind of feel differently about that. The, the pit bulls that I have have a lot of similarities. To them. Oh, really? Well, I was thinking the same thing. You had that right. one that you couldn't even keep the softball up on the, <laughs> up on the yeah. shelf. The dog's jumping six feet in the air to take a softball off your mantle. Five level. Yeah. With yeah. the bull terriers, they're not, they're not Amstaffs. They're not bullies. They're, they're American pit bull terriers and kind of, they come from some pretty um, preserved genetics mm. and the the drive is really high so i i almost feel like they're very similar to the malinois um talk about those similarities though a little bit what you're seeing like the, what kind of traits but see but outside of the high drive outside of the high drive well i guess the determination um the the need for a lot of structure yeah uh, you're going to be confining them it better be something that is going to confine them <laughs> <laughs> Funny story. I, I left real quick to run to the shop this morning and put her in the crate in my bedroom because I thought, oh, it'll just add too much time to have to drag her with me. I came home. She was out of that crate. So <laughs> Good girl, Inga. <laughs> but thank God I left the door to my bedroom shut because she was confined in there. But um, no, they're, they've got just, you know, that commitment and dedication to getting onto a task and sticking with it. Uh, maybe that's more of a pit bull thing. <laughs> I think it is. I think it is. The pit bulls are seem to be more it, determined, and yeah. uh, the the mallies can be a little flighty. They can be all over the place sometimes. I've yeah, seen. I guess I, I. It's a funny thing because as much as I love the breed, I, you know, we've talked about this. I kind of they're almost a little bit of second class citizens when they come to my. <laughs> I they don't rank. Almost, I'm looking for them to sort of be more like a pit bull in their just natural baseline temperament. And that you are absolutely right that they are not that they're, they have, they come with their own set of herder behaviors that I just wasn't uh, familiar with until I started to deal with them on yeah. a personal. And then your first yeah. Malinois, that's the litter. She had, Uda had the litter, right? Yeah. Uda had a litter. Um, can I, can I talk about that for one Yeah, second? I want to hear about it. That's what we're asking. It's really hard for me to consolidate that question or <laughs> you know, thoughts, truthfully, because there's so many nuances and variables that go into it. But um, raising that litter, and I had never raised a litter of any type before, I felt, I felt like I owed the person that gave me Uda um, that the litter that I had with her because he had mentioned if I ever have a litter, he'd like a puppy. Yeah. So it wasn't even something that I was dying to do, but I felt an obligation because I loved the dog very, very much. And I was really grateful to have her. So anyways, I had the litter. Um, and I did 
everything under the sun that I had information about to make the litter kind of as bomb proof as I could get it. You know, I think I'm starting with good genetics and then adding in environmental every day, very systematically and um, intentionally and with a strategy like the early neurological stimulation stuff and just generalizing things, getting them out and about as soon as possible. I mean, at four weeks old, we were already going out and I was taking them off property to go to different. So, uh, and having visitors here going places to see other visitors, um, new people, places, sounds, whatever, feelings under their feet, getting new objects to interact with, just like everything every day. And I took them at seven weeks old to do the um, Volhard temperament test, you know, that puppy temperament test at 49 days. And we drove an hour and a half to go to my friend's school where she is a um, small animal science teacher. And she had her class perform the testing. So basically we went to a brand new place. Um, It was legit. Like it wasn't like somebody (laughs) taking the puppies in their house and moving it to the kitchen and doing something in the same environment, you know? And these seven week old puppies of my litter were weirdos. (laughs) (laughs) If it it had been a litter of pit bull puppies, I would have been so disappointed. Yeah. Um, And that was a big education for me because then fast forward to now the puppy that I kept from that litter and the litter mates are nine years old, um, well accomplished. My own, you know, I I trained her to ring two. Um, She she did an AKC, CD. uh, Like she's a a well-versed, relatively easygoing, easy to live with. And... um, pretty solid. Like I've taken her into, uh, weightlifting. What do they call that? Powerlifting that Alexis does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to one of those meets and she's in there with 350 people. And it was as though she was my service dog. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you know, she's, she, her temperament at seven weeks old, that made me nervous as they all did because they were like reserved yeah. or, actually shy or, um, had reactions that looked forward and made me like, Whoa, that dog just growled. That seven week old puppy is growling. (laughs) That dog's mean. (laughs) If that had been a pit bull, I'd have been like, no, 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 they can't. We go on from here. But that I suppose is like one of the biggest, most glaring things, um, genetically that is very different. I, I, I don't see that in the American Pitbull Terrier. And if I do, it's problematic. Yeah, sure. It, these dogs, her again, look at her. She's, she's so she's, cute. How could she have any sharpness that you're describing? She's an angel. She's acting like she's <laughs> um, These dogs, I feel like they, they do have that funny, I would call it sketchy, but mm-hmm. I think it's kind of in alignment with who they are. They're working things out. They're genetically, I think they're coming from a place that high suspicion is 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 part of who they are. Yeah. Well, and Scott can attest to that if they're going to be awesome at these sports, these protection sports, they have to have a certain amount of edge to them. That's mm-hmm. part of it. They got to be twitchy. Yeah. They got to be biting quick and responding quick and reacting and all that. And uh, 
That being said, though, I did have a uh, a puppy from that I got from Belgium that was the most social puppy, wasn't really interested in biting, very slow to mature, um, but very athletic, but totally, you know, different bloodline completely than what I was used to. And um, the only thing about those types of dogs is you have to be very patient because they don't really come into themselves until they're, you know, maybe 18 months old or something. It's a longer journey. And then you just have to hope that everything keeps going because you're investing a ton of your time into these puppies, yeah. you know? <laughs> it takes a so lot of time to raise them I prefer them out. to have one that's biting, uh, that's, that's problematic in, the, in regard to it's biting everything in its, in its sight rather than right. one that is very reserved and not biting or doing anything, you know? But it's a good point that we bring up that these dogs that we're raising, especially if it's a purebred Malinois or any type of working dog like this that's bred for protection sports, these dogs have been used in the police force. They're being bred for the police force. Like, it's a certain type of dog we're breeding, and it's not necessarily the dog that you're going to take for guiding eyes to the blind to go read or something. You know or, what I mean? Like, or for a pet dog. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, not oh, a pet dog. It's not, yeah, these dogs are not at all pet dogs. These are like Ferraris, Scott describes them as. And I think that's, in a sense, what you like about them, right? Like, they're functional yeah. Yeah, but they're they're not your average dog. Since we're talking about the difficulties, let's queue up video number one, uh, Chrissy. We're going to do... A, I did some video clips here. Noel and I have been scheming about this. This was Scott's idea to do the series, and I'm glad that he came up with it because I'm excited to I'm be so doing this. I'm so grateful that you agreed to it <laughs> yeah, because really, I, I have so much confidence in the way you train. I know that this puppy is going to be awesome. Yeah, Scott loves you. Um, I love you too, but Scott, like, you know, he's like, Noel's a great trainer. Noel's, I'm like, I'm right here. I'm a decent trainer too, but you, <laughs> you have more time to train than me. But the point point no, is joking or not so <laughs> i don't <laughs> we've Listen. been scheming though about these videos um as far as you know what we're how we're going to put them together and everything else so throughout this episode we're going to show a few one minute clips and then i'm also going to have a link to a youtube link underneath this that will have all the videos compiled for those of you who listen if you want to go and just see that unlisted youtube link later so since we're talking about what a pain in the ass malinois are let's show the difficulty of malinois this is video one Is a saint. Good girl! Wow! You're gonna leave? You're leaving? I think my favorite thing about doing these videos is I get to see all the renovations you've done on your house and how the yard's improving and everything else. We just can't wait to come back. But they're not your average run-of-the-mill puppy. And it doesn't mean that every Malinois is going to have these kind of traits and everything else. And some people are going to see that video of her being nasty to Fonzie, your pit bull, the black and white one through the fence, and be like, oh, my God, that puppy. Like, that puppy has a temperament problem, genetic problems. No, like, these are things you have to train through when you have a Malinois puppy, right? I mean, these are just traits that pop up, I would argue. There's no perfect dog. There's no, no, there's not. Puppy. There's no unicorn. But especially with the Malinois, you see more of this sharpness surfacing, especially at a younger age. Would you agree, Noel? 
percent. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to come in with some of the worst stuff and you've got to be aware and ready to work on it. Yeah. And the thing is, is that you have to train through some of these things and that, you know, and it's important for people to see that these things are present right from the get go. And then you're working to make sure that all of these interactions and all of these steps that you're taking are minimalizing that. Like, obviously you didn't let her do that to Fonzie 12 more times after she did it through the fence, but you got a baseline of like, okay, a little sharp there when there's a barrier in between. Right. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. And I, quite frankly, I've seen <laughs> some funny stuff that she does not quite like that. But going out, um, going into new places. Last night, we went into Tractor Supply and we popped out of the car. She got out of her crate. She, it was dark and she arrived in the parking lot and there were some guys standing outside of the store talking kind of loud because they were doing some sort of like a fundraiser. And she narrowed down her glance right at them. And she was like, Woof. yeah, <laughs> she's standing up. Yeah. Yeah. At, at 12 she, weeks old, she's strong. Yeah. She, and confidence in her environment is like, I feel like right out of the gate, she was just coming forward, 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 forward. Um, you can see that. that. You can another thing, just, I hate to keep going back to the comparison between a pit bull and the Malinois, but it's so glaring to me because that's been my saturation. Yeah. Um, pit bulls getting out of the car would like, Oh my God, friends <laughs> that I haven't met yet. You yeah. know, they yeah. dying to go make a social contact. Yeah. Um, and this dog is looking at it. Like you're something that's to be concerned about and you, you might be suspicious, you yeah. know, it's, It's really, it's amazing, kind of. Genetics are really amazing. It was interesting to see her uh, going through the pet store just right out at the end of the flexi, boldly just checking everything out. It's nice to see that confidence in a little puppy because sometimes, you know, they get real shy, you know, and they're kind of behind you in a lot of situations and they're nervous. And it's much easier to work with a dog that's more confident than one that's really shy, you know? Oh, a thousand percent agree. Absolutely. And what's interesting and really kind of nice about her that I've noticed so far is she's bold like that, where she'll go out to the end. And that made me so happy. But um, also, it's not as though she's doing it in a way that is careless. Yeah. Like there's times that I see her adding things up and she'll kind of hang a little closer and she's looking to me more. So she has this it's like she shifts gears pretty nicely, even already. Yeah. She's decided that I'm somebody to pay attention to. And um, if if there's a concern, she might not be all the way out, yeah. you know, to, into the wild blue yonder, just hoping for the best. And <laughs> <laughs> she's kind of in close. And I notice she looks back and she makes eye contact with me and is checking with me, even if I'm not asking for her to. But like... Kind of just to get the nod. I don't. I don't know. It's well, it's just, uh, the nice thing about that. The nice thing is that you you recognize that, and you can give her a little more confidence where she needs it. Yeah. And where a lot of people that aren't reading that stuff, the dog just feels like they're hanging out there in the breeze without support, and then they start right. making choices they shouldn't be making because of their own fear and because they're just not sure what to do. And whenever they, whenever a Malinois makes a choice instinctively, it's always bad. <laughs> It was always going to be something, something's going to go wrong. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. And with yeah. that said, I like this tractor supply scenario that you brought up, especially from last night. So she gets out of the car, she barks. So 
Is that to you like, a, oh my gosh, like I have a lot of work to do. Like we have to totally reframe where she's coming from. Like, how did you handle that situation? Or did you kind of just take it with a grain of salt and be like, yeah, whatever. She's who she is. We'll work through it. Like, can you walk us through your headspace a little bit? So people that may have a breed that's similar would know kind of what a professional thinks about that kind of setup. Okay, sure. Um, so with her particularly, I don't know that this would apply to all dogs, um, but I guess I'd feel kind of safe saying that Malinois as a general rule, but her specifically, let's just be clear. Um, last night when she did that, I was like, oh, get over yourself. Come on, let's go. Yeah. And I just directed her with a little bit of leash pressure and my body movement going in one particular direction and being very um, strong in just communicating. We're not paying attention to that. Don't even worry about it. Here's your toy. Let's go. Yeah. Um, and dwell on it. I, the, the guys, as we approached, so they were right by the, the entrance. <laughs> we were like heading towards them and she's like, yeah. <laughs> this is um, my store. Yeah. And so they're, they're like right in our path, basically off to the side. And of course she's adorable and she's wearing a sweater at the time. And so like all their focus is funneling down directly on her. So whatever she was feeling, it was probably magnified or amplified a little bit, Sure. but I just put a little pressure on the leash at by like tug, tug, let's go this way. And I said to them, Oh, she thinks she's a tough guy or whatever. I kind of made them look at me as we went and made our way through the sliding glass doors and, um, she just forgot about it. Well, that's, that's my point <laughs> then, is that sometimes parading yeah. through and she's noticing everybody and, uh, huffed a little bit, but then as the people talked, like exclaiming how cute and whatever, then she started to be like, okay, this is normal. Yeah. Well, and and sometimes people, we didn't pay too much attention to it. I wasn't like, oh, let me get treats out right away yeah. or let's dwell in this moment. Yeah. And I'm not, that that's necessarily a bad thing to do. But for her, I thought, let's just get through it. Come on, let's go. Yeah, well, I do moving. think, yeah, depending on the dog, um, and really, even if it's not just a Malinois puppy, any pet dog, sometimes you make a mountain out of a molehill, right? Like, it was just a little, like, rah-rah episode. And, you know, if now that's okay, oh, it's okay, and let's go closer, and let's have them give you treats and everything. Now, all of a sudden, it's become, like, a situation. You know, like, before, it was just a quick moment, a fleeting moment, as we like to say, right. a little incident. And then you just kind of take it with a grain of salt. You reestablish your control of the situation. And I think it probably would have given her confidence too. But sometimes when we see things like this, all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I have to text my trainer. I have to text my three trainer friends. I have to come up with a plan for this. And they're just growing up, right? Like they're just kind of coming into who they're going to be and figuring things out as you go. So not making a big deal out of a situation like that to me, especially at this age is really telling and important, I would say. Yeah. I tell this to my um, pet dog clients all the time. The biggest problem with that scenario is you can't control the public. Yeah. So they could do something, even if you tell them just ignore the puppy, they can't. They still are going to go in and do whatever they think is the right thing to do, which may not be the right thing for your puppy. Your puppy, your puppy I, might hide behind your legs and they're chasing the puppy around <laughs> behind you because they just have to see this puppy. Yeah. And you don't need all that crap. The puppy doesn't need to get all stressed out like that, you know? Oh my God. And that's the hardest thing I think. For me, I've grown, uh, you know, just an armor. I, I have this really great face that I put on and I just have this vibe that comes off of me. Like, please don't try to interact. Like, I'm not 
I'm really not going out there. I realize that people see dogs and they just want to go and touch them or talk to you about them. And I used to engage a lot more than I do now, but, um, now I have some really specific goals and I'm trying to make the most of our little expeditions. And so just like last night, then I also went to TJ Maxx, by the way, and um, I don't even know if dogs are allowed in there. <laughs> it's better better but to it, ask for forgiveness. Yeah. She, she, there's a woman in there and she she wants to talk to the dog, the puppy. Oh, can I pet her? And I was like, ah, you know what? She's all teeth right now. It's probably best if you don't. And uh, she just couldn't stop staring. And she actually approached even more after I said, no, it's probably not a good idea. You know, I've had, I always have her carrying a toy. Yeah. So got something to concentrate on. And, you know, it's kind of, to me, for them, it's like a pacifier. And it just, I like them to practice carrying anyways. So yeah. um, I think that adds a new level of attraction for the people that see the dog because it looks really super cute. Yeah. So yeah, it was just kind of amazing. Again, it's just every person that comes on the pike, you can say, oh no, please, let's not do that right now. And they just keep coming forward. Yeah. So Scott, what you said is they, they're always going to make the wrong decision about what the right thing to do is next. They never pick the thing that I would have picked. Can I just, <laughs> like, uh, I just want to add, just want to add one thing for the pet dog clients out there. Uh, did you feel like a piece of crap for telling these people, no, she's all teeth right now and you want to keep moving? I'm assuming you didn't. No, no. I did not feel bad at all. Right. <laughs> but people feel like people feel like they have they have an obligation to let the public see their dog. They don't. And don't feel bad about it. Just keep moving along and everything will work out fine, you know? Yeah, no, it's super true. And and you need to, Noelle's reading this situation, but almost like when you're talking about socializing a Malinois, it's just getting in the mountain environments and being stable. You know, it's not about having third grade classrooms come and, you know, pet them and having them go to old people's homes and everything else. Like, it's just about having them be confident and stable in their environment. And since we're touching so much on training, we're going to pull up video number three. I tried to, and this is not everything Noelle's doing with this puppy, but just so you guys have a general idea and then we can see, like, how things are progressing and how she's tweaking things over time. So I split this into a pet category and a sport category. And in the pet section, you'll see her settling out of the crate. I would, I would hope that that is any pet dog home's point of training. That's a skill they're teaching. Socializing with dogs and humans, but in a controlled, proper way with dogs that are appropriate with her, with humans, Noel can trust, everything else, and then informal recalls. With the sports stuff, you see some environmental training. When she's outside, there's a big noise that goes on, perch work, a nose touch, and healing. So we're going to run the training video. That's video number three. Chrissy? Come here, baby. Oh. <laughs> Look at her come so fast. That's my girl. Hello. Hello, little pumpkin pie. You did a good job over there. Oh, 
very, very good. Okay? <laughs> You're so cute. And then she does her little boop on the camera at the end. And you can see why Scott is so impressed with Noelle as a trainer. She's a phenomenal dog trainer. And tell us a little bit about some of what you're doing with like your sport dog foundation stuff right now and what you're looking for. And I know that you're a big healing queen and everything else, but just walk us through a little bit of what's going on there. Oh my goodness. I get, I really feel like a slacker at this point. Um <laughs> I, I've had a couple other obligations and responsibilities to other dogs that came in for training. And so I'm a little bit spread thin, but my objective right now um, is to create a marker system for sure, mm-hmm. um, to accentuate some opposition um, and to try my best. And my knees are both in do in, in need of um, getting surgery. So I don't know if you knew that, but I'm getting... My, I'm getting knee replacements. Done. Oh, <laughs> really? My movement is not the same as it used to be. So I'm saying all this coming from a, a place where I wish it were a little bit different, but I'm, I'm really just trying to establish there's um, things that she can do that are going to work out really well for her, like create value with particular positions or movement into a position. You know, there's nothing really super serious about what I'm doing as far as like anything formal looking. It's just making the marker have, have her understand the marker or multiple markers. Um, understand that relating to me in a particular way is going to pay off pretty nicely. Um, when I push against, I want her to come back, you know, push against me. We kind of resist each other. Um, and honestly, like the biggest thing I guess that I've been doing is giving her that environmental exposure, even almost more than fiddling around with, uh, training skills for obedience and whatnot, but, um, just really trying to make sure that she feels good in a lot of different locations and that she wants to like connect and feel forward with me. Yeah. in space. Well, and the thing is, is that the more that she sees now, the more prepared she's going to be for the future, right? So it's so often like we want to refine and get something really perfect in the kitchen, and then we're afraid to take it on the road. And if we don't take anything on the road for a certain amount of time, then all of a sudden it's going to be a big hurdle later on. And, you know, in these videos, you see you're training a lot of different places and everything else. And let's pull up the generalizing video real quick, because there's even more environments that she's getting out to and she's dealing with stuff. And generalizing your training, even at this age, is essential in my mind. Like this is like really a big part of it, getting out, being stable and knowing that you can do what you do at home elsewhere. So let's pull up some more videos. What number is that one? Four. I'm sorry. That's okay. Can I have the good girl? Good girl. Good girl. Good. Good girl. Oh, <laughs> look at that cute little stuff.
She's so cute. I don't want to get one, great. but she's so cute. <laughs> you know, you know what's nice is that, you know, you act like, and it, and it probably is true, you haven't had as much time as you want to work with this puppy. But quite often, less is more. It's the quality of the time that you're working with the puppy. Because I've seen uh, puppies that get overworked, they get bored. Like, it's always work, even though it's supposed to be fun, and it is food. But they start to get bored. Like, they just break off. They don't maintain the attention to their handler because they're just kind of bored with it, you know? So it's nice yep. that there's a lot of play and, and some yeah. short training sessions and, and the puppy looks really excited to work with you. And that's what you want, obviously, all the time, you know? Well, I tell you something, you, you really, um, you hammered that thought home to me when I had Uda and I was so desperate to get going with French Ring, and there was just not a lot of resources for me anywhere close to home. Remember, I would come out and train with you guys. Yeah. Um, we're like, just remember, you know, bad reps. <laughs> it's true. Like, no reps are better than bad reps. It's sure. true. So, Quality <laughs> over quantity, baby, every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. in the same category, but. Uh, yeah, she's. I, I'm really happy to hear you say that. Thanks. I I hope that what I'm doing is the quality stuff that's going to help me in the future. I well, it's I a, hope. it's obvious you have a natural ability. This is. I'm not trying to make you feel good. I'm just saying <laughs> you've got enough puppies and enough dogs over the past 20 years that you know that I've and I didn't know you 20 years ago, but I was watching your videos. You were posting videos probably what 2008 nine of you yeah. working puppies. And I was watching you and I knew that you were communicating with Larry, who I was training with all the time. And I was really looking forward to working with you because you were doing a lot of good motivational work that I wasn't super familiar with because I was coming from a harder French ring background where uh, they don't train with young puppies. I'm sure now it's different, but 20 years ago, it was like, just make this puppy do stuff and and then make Less it finesse. make it fun later, Less finesse. kind of thing, you yeah. know. And the puppies have enough drive and enough desire to bite that they'll work through any anything to get a bite. But I always appreciated what you were doing back then, and you're still doing the same thing. And it's a natural ability because you enjoy the work yourself. You enjoy this puppy. A lot of people don't like puppies. Puppies are a pain in the ass. I know a lot of great <laughs> trainers that just don't like puppies, you know, because they're a lot of work. And that was my takeaway too, especially from the last video. Her value in you is great. You know what I mean? And I think it came up like with a lot of Susan Garrett stuff. Like somebody said, be the cookie. And it's so true. Like you, you as the person, you as the other part of the team, you as the owner, you as the mommy, whatever you're going to call it, like you have to be the value, you know? And it's the, the toys and food are great. And you're very motivational with how you train your obedience. And, you know, you're working a lot with grip and trying to get a calm grip and everything else. 
But if there's not, the dog just wanted to be with you outside of any food or toys present, then you're kind of losing a part of that relationship. And that's a value that we align with, I would say, when we raise our own puppies too. That's really important yeah, I to mean, us. There's nothing worse than having a puppy that doesn't like you. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's hard enough working with a puppy that wants to please you. They're trying to figure you out. What is it you want me to do? Now it's up to you to help them understand what you want. But if they're not interested or when they see you, they leave the room. Obviously, uh, it's kind of tough to establish a good working relationship with a puppy like that. You know? Yeah. And sometimes you, you know, just the structure and sometimes you have to teach the dog to like you. Like it sounds kind of crazy, but some dogs are just more independent. You know what I mean? And that is part of the training relationship, in my opinion. I don't know if you'd agree with that or not. No, oh, absolutely. For sure. In fact, one of the uh, messages that I sent to Shannon was before I went to pick up this puppy, I was like, oh my God, I hope, I hope she likes me. <laughs> A huge part of it. I mean, the relationship is everything. And that's why we take all this time to build it the way that we want it to be, because that's the bait. That's the, that's the hinge. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's where all this, that's where all the stress is handled. Like, yeah side of the relationship that we build with the dog. So yeah, that's a huge thing to me and probably why I'm so head over heels for the American Pitbull Terrier because they're so like love buggy. But I'm going to tell you the Belgians, I don't know what your experience is with your dogs, but honestly, they rival the Pitbull with their own people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, our dogs have just been like, they can't get close enough to you. They want to burrow under your skin and just, they turn themselves inside out to be affectionate right back to you. And that is, that means so much to me because I feel like it, it expresses exactly what you're talking about. And it's so genuine and you're to have the dog genuinely like you back. <laughs> is yeah. that, it's important. Is that, I mean, know how to handle it. If, if, the dog didn't. Yeah, I like was going to say, one of the reasons that I'm still using a crate with um, my uh, Belgian Malinois is because he wants to be with me so much all the time that he will get separation anxiety if he has enough freedom to, like, he'll default, he'll jump, well, he'll want to be on the couch in my lap, 85-pound dog. That's where he wants to be. Yeah. And I can't let him do what he wants because it's going to make him nuts. Like, the more time he spends with me, the more nutty he gets. So a little, right. a little bit with him goes a long way. You know what I mean? I take <laughs> yeah. him out, throw the ball for him. I give him some scratches behind the ear. He's friggin' thrilled. And then I say, go get on your bed. Go right, lay right. down and take a break because well, he'll just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And that's know? part of the reason when you walk away from the crate too. I mean, yes, all puppies have, you know, they're predisposed to a little bit of anxiety and separation anxiety and everything else. But through working through those types of issues like noise in the crate and your relationship at the same time, it all evens out and levels out. But Scott's right. Like if you just put her in your sweatshirt all day and carried her around, like you'd probably have to euthanize her in a couple months. Like yeah. it would be too much, really, you know, really, because she's too big for her britches. Yeah. Yeah. No, not, it's, it's something to consider. Well, I know that you're always going to prefer the Pitbull Terrier to the Malinois. I mean, <laughs> I, I know a, you well enough. We should enough, have a counter on the podcast but, every time she mentions But I was going to say, um, <laughs> I, if we haven't told you yet, we are going to have Larry Hansen on over in the- Oh, in we the, are. Yeah. She's one of our so December guests. That'd be pretty cool. Make sure you watch that. because You she, really gave away the yeah, December oh, fun. Maybe I wasn't supposed to talk about that, but <laughs> you know, she's, you know, as far as if you know Pitbulls and you're involved with Pitbulls, chances are you've heard of Larry Hansen or you know who she is, or you've maybe even- 
she's judged a competition that you were in with a pit bull, you know? Yeah. But that'll be exciting when she comes on, too. Yeah, we got a lot of December stuff coming up. And we really, we wanted to do this series with you because we do not plan to be raising a Malinois puppy in the near future, maybe ever again. And also, we I'm like... i a pit bull. <laughs> don't start. Don't give him anything, damn it. Noelle, you call me first if yes for something. Um, but really, we like the way that you raise your dogs. We've seen you train enough. We've seen you interact with you know, dogs of all ages and client dogs and everything else enough that we really align with a lot of the things you do and a lot of the, uh, the things that you're trying to, the goals that you're trying to reach with these dogs. And one thing that I really liked in these videos that you've been sending me and also the way that I know you kind of handle your dogs is your laissez-faire approach of just letting them be dogs also. You know, I feel like we're always so pressured as trainers to be like, oh, I have to show my precision healing and I have to show how my sit-stay has gone from 30 seconds to two minutes. And we're just like literally like putting videos up almost like for our own egos in a sense. And it's less about like, well, where's the dog's headspace? Like, how is the dog doing? So I want to run this last video. This is going to be video number two, Chrissy. Sorry, I didn't cue the last one properly. And it's just about letting the damn puppy be a puppy, right? Like that's the whole point of this stage in this age is letting her just figure herself out like you're talking about. Absolutely. Can I say one? Come on. You're picking that? That's what you want? Good boy! Come on, buddy! Good girl. That's a really good girl. Yeah. Nice job, lady. Just chilling out on the couch, but I don't care. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Once we commit to video, we commit. What were you going to say? No, it's just the whole thing about just letting them be who they are is so important. And I feel like this right here. I mean, how long have we been talking here? 42 minutes. She's this being a dog. good girl. <laughs> This dog, so I have the cable tether that you sent. Yeah. I've, I've never, by the way, used that, in, <laughs> that bag ever. Yeah. I'm like, it will be exploded all over my house if I <laughs> attach anybody that I own to that. Be like water explosion everywhere. But no, this, this puppy has been here for 42 minutes. Um, just enjoying that marrow bone. I, I have the cable tether on her, but it's not attached to anything. I just thought, ah, just in case I have to grab it, if she decides she's going to go do something, but she's literally kind of dripped off of this dog bed and put herself right back on. She's not being disruptive at all. She also, this is giving me an opportunity to be touching her and kind of handling a little bit as she's enjoying something that is so incredibly high value for her which I don't want to get off onto a big tangent, but her first meal um, of a chicken back yeah. turned her into a feral animal. <laughs> no way. 
She was like, well, first of all, I put her in an X-Pen to have it. Yeah. And she had already started in on it and was thoroughly enjoying it. And I went over to just kind of go see where she was at on it. And I noticed her body posture changed considerably when I got within a certain range. And so I'm like, oh, this is, you know, I couldn't help myself. The <laughs> the human is like, let me see what happened. Yeah. So when I pressured a little bit and went in closer, even though she had like frozen a little bit and she was clearly telling me, get the hell out of here. Um, she went like a, a wolf. She yeah. went really free and mad. And she was like, you better get away from my food. And so I was like, oh, okay, noted. I'm going to pay attention to that. So I didn't make a big deal about it at the time. I let her do what she was doing. I didn't want to get into a fight with her. But this right here with the marrow bone, I won't move the camera again, but you saw her. She yeah. had a big, she has a big meaty beef marrow bone and it was brand new when she got it. And now it's got barely no more gristle on the outside, <laughs> but she's really enjoying it. And she's got herself positioned so that I can touch her very easily. And she hasn't um, like gotten stiff or possessive or, you know, resentful, nothing, nothing of the sort. So she, this is just a perfect opportunity to like get a lot of birds with one stone. It feels like sure. she's doing um, well, so, and I, it probably ties in to her being allowed to do this from time to time, sprinkled in just being who she is, yeah, you know? exactly. For sure. What was your feedback from the video? Oh, I'm I was going to say the video that we just watched where you had her off leash in an, an open public area. I, it looked like there, it wasn't a fenced in field where you were. Is that correct? Yeah. And the reason at this point that you're able to do that is because of your relationship with the dog. You still can get her back to you. You know, yeah. she still enjoys coming to you. And a lot of people take their puppies off leash way too fast and the puppy just runs away Yeah, because the puppy doesn't have any value to the owner. They want the puppy to run like your puppy did, but they don't have any means of getting the puppy back. You know, right. and I know, I know you wouldn't have let her off leash if you didn't think that you could get her back. And obviously she enjoys coming to you. <laughs> And the other thing is she's enjoying your other dogs and you That's can get true. them to yeah. come to you too. I wanted to make that point about the video because that dog that she's running with was the same dog that she was nasty with through the fence. So sometimes I think that people are too quick to be like, oh my gosh, well, that dog is dog nasty aggressive. with dogs. Yeah. yeah. And oh, well, that dog has resource guarding. Like it has human aggression, everything else. Like what Noel is talking about here with now this kind of passive training to work on the resource guarding is just about building a little bit of trust. Like, hey, sweetie, I love you. I don't need to take that from you. Like half the time I feel like we see an issue like that. And then we're like, oh my God, we have to train it. Okay. Let me give her a chicken back. Let me have this. Let me try to do some trading. And again, we're making it a thing similar to the dog barking at strangers, just kind of as they passed at tractor supply. Everything doesn't just go perfectly when you raise a puppy. Even if you're a dog trainer, like even if you just put out your best stuff, like things pop up and you're constantly tweaking things and you're just looking for that end goal. You know what I mean? So less is more in that sense too. Like you're saying that she feels comfortable with you there. You're not reaching in to try to grab that or look at her mouth or do anything crazy right now or work a leave it command. You just want her to know like, hey, you can trust me. Even if you don't want to trust other dogs around your chicken back, you can trust me. I'm your mom and I got your back. No That's pun nice. intended with the back. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's true. And I feel like you have that kind of a presence with her. And that's important. And this confidence that she's getting through your pack and through you and through the exposure she's getting at your work and everything else is making her more and more stable every day. But they don't just come out of the womb and they're just all of a sudden unicorns and they're like a Malinois that you never had seen before. You have to raise them to be what you want in a certain way. 
That's right. That's right. You, training. You got, training. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the whole big picture and having awareness that it's another living thing that has an agenda itself. And you got to learn to develop the relationship, establish trust, get a communication going, all this stuff. Yeah. You know? I, I'm, we support it hundred percent and we uh, we're so grateful that you agreed to do this. When Scott said it, I'm like, I don't know. It was hard to get her on board for the daycare. I'll see if she'll do it, but we're, we're super excited. And, um, uh, considering she hasn't gone after you yet or whatever with the marrow bone, maybe we should still close on a good note <laughs> while we're making her out to be such an angel. So we're going to do four of these, you guys. So this is the first week of December. So we're taking off January and February. We'll be back the first week of March with Noel. And that's a special week for us. Yeah. I just want to ask one last question. Noel, before we uh, oh. sign off here, um, have you done any kind of tugging bite work? And are you, when are you planning on introducing more uh, f- semi-formal bite work type training where someone else is holding the toy or the tug and uh, you're sending, you're behind the dog? When would you start to introduce that? Do you have any idea? Actually, we're supposed to get together tonight. Okay. So oh, great. Three months, three months. Somebody else has like taken a little rag or something and, sure. you know, themselves in front of her and see how she is. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I'll, I'll make sure that I get some video and yeah, send it. And you know what I'll do is I'll do a little, um, Instagram compilation of her toy stuff. Cause you're right. I've been seeing all these videos and you sent me so much toy stuff, but not much popped up today. So oh, yeah, I'll do a little it. compilation so people can see where she's at so far of what you've done and what she's doing with strangers and everything else. So kind of the sport world can, you know, progress with her journey a little bit more too, but well, that inter- is a I'm good point. I'm interested in uh, seeing how you uh, train this puppy to start biting, but also with some rules associated with it. Because a lot of the pet dog people, they or maybe people with less experience, they're building up this tugging fun thing, but they don't know how to, they can't stop it. And you don't want a puppy to be grabbing your finger and then not letting go of your finger, you know? <laughs> you got to cap stuff. that somewhere. Yeah. 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 I'm glad you brought that up. We'll explain that journey for sure. Is there anything else we missed, Noel, that we should discuss that we haven't talked about? At this point, no, I think we covered so much. Of course, there's going to be thousands of more things, but yeah. for now, I think it's enough to chew on. Yeah, well, no, it's good. And if you guys want to follow Noelle, um, I'll put this in the show notes also, but you can follow her on Instagram at, at Noelle Nasca. Her last name is spelled N-A-S-C-A. And she posts a lot about her pit bulls and you know, you'll see kind of this puppy being raised and everything else. And we're going to have her back on. We want to follow this because we're passionate about this. Scott and I have seen a lot of people raise working dog puppies and it's not a walk in the park. And it's very hard to get a dog that you can integrate into your home, that you have a good relationship with, that's social and stable out and about. And that can also be somewhat successful on the trial field. So we want to try to show people how maybe you can get all of those things in one. Yeah. And some people have a very difficult time raising puppies that actually are very involved in dog sports. Like they go through puppies left and right. They go through six or eight puppies before they get one that they can actually get on a trial field. Yeah. And that's because of the way they're training. It's not, they're getting 10 or 15 bad puppies. It's just the way they're handling their dogs, you know. But Noel's committed to this one. Oh, I have no, (laughs) I wasn't the least bit concerned. I want to see, you're going to have this one on a flirt pole and hanging from your tree out in the backyard probably pretty soon. (laughs) Turn her into a pit bull. I mean, I'm just like, I still think it's all a big joke or something, that you can't, but 
Thank you very much. I am honored. And you know that I love you both so much. So thank you. All right. We'll see you the first week of March. Scott turned 60 that week. So it's going to be a big celebration that week. We're going to get going. You guys, we have a ton of guests in store for December. We have Dog of the Year that's going to be announced at the end of the month. And we have Larry Hansen coming on pretty soon, like we said. Thank you, Noel. Good girl, Inga. And in the meantime. Keep it quirky, guys. Bye. Bye, Inga. We love you. Take that bone away right now. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.